the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On AM 1220 KDOW for financial planning decision. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob will be with me, or I will be with Rob tonight, at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Now, I've been to quite a few Elks Lodges. I got into business 19 years ago with my grandfather. We used to go to lunch at the Elks. We loved it. This one in Palo Alto is uh, all redone. Very, very nice. And from 6 to 9, we're going to be talking all about retirement planning, basically a retirement planning boot camp. You're trying to figure out how you live off of your portfolio what to do asset allocation-wise, when to pull the gains off your stock portfolio to live off of them in retirement, tax-efficient investing, all that. We're going to talk about it tonight. If you want to sign up, there's a way that you can actually do it and raise some uh, extra money for Red Cross. If you go to my website, chadburton.com, click on the upcoming webinars and seminars. If you follow the instructions there, you can actually double a donation to the Red Cross to get in. It's usually 7 bucks to get in, but... Uh, Let's raise money for the Red Cross instead, because we're going to hear, continue to hear a lot about Hurricane Sandy and how it affects everyone, including the economy. It's already distorting some of the numbers I'll talk about in a little bit. Right now, we do have the S&P 500 up 0.46%, the NASDAQ up 0.6%, the Dow's up 0.4%. And uh, yesterday, the Dow rallied more than 200 points off its intraday low, and it was... We've had now a couple of times this year where the market has been down over 100 points and then rallied back, retraced all of that, plus an equal amount. And so, uh, you know, a lot of technicians like those kind of key reversal points. So yesterday the Dow rallied more than 200 points off its low. NASDAQ jumped at more than 50 points from its worst level. And the S&P 500 was up 25 points from its lowest point of the session. And all because we had positive comments. We had positive comments from House Speaker Boehner. We had positive comments from Obama and uh, Henry Reid. Really still still no deal. Still no deal or hints of exact points being argued. We've got a lot of CEOs and and heads of big companies on... uh, Capitol Hill, you know, talking, trying to give their input, but there's still not, it's just positive talk so far. Now, one of the things that you have to realize, if we get a market pop from having a deal done, which it likely will, because it removes uncertainty, but 
you don't invest based on short-term potentials for rallies. You invest in what is going on in the longer term. And keep in mind, a deal is probably going to involve some higher taxes. And in the long run, that will strain what's already a slower-growing economy. So the question will be, is is there enough pent-up hiring because of the uncertainty? Is there enough pent-up demand that you know people are just not investing in capital business-wise right now because they want to know what happens here to offset some of the higher taxes? And that will be seen. So any deal will involve higher taxes. And we'll, we'll find out, you know, in 6 to 12 months, will companies be able to continue to grow revenue? Because so far, this last quarter, at 40% of the companies in the S&P 500, they beat on the earnings side. But their revenue was down from the same period last year. The, the comparisons are tougher. And we'll see that going forward. And... In today's numbers, the U.S. economy grew faster than initially thought in the third quarter, but it had to do with a restocking of business inventories. So that provided a big boost, but at the same time, consumer and business spending were both revised lower from the previous report. So keep this in mind. Recently, we had numbers showing a high in consumer confidence, yet consumer spending dropped and people are dipping into their savings again. That's a little bit of a trend I don't like to see. Because, you know, we, we're not getting enough boost in, in income. So, again, will a f- deal on the fiscal cliff unleash enough of that, you know, uncertainty that's stopping many business owners from moving forward to hire and other issues like that? Gross domestic product expanded at a 2.7% annual rate. Now, the government put out a, a estimate last month of 2% growth. It came in at 2.7, but most economists pulled by Reuters had expected GDP growth to be at 2.8%, so a little bit less than expected. And will this lit now the, the numbers that got boosted was because of, of an inventory buildup. Will that be lost in the fourth quarter? Will those inventories, will they be able to move those off their shelves to the consumer? Several report from the Labor Department showed initial claims for state unemployment benefits dropped 23,000 to a seasonally adjusted 393,000. But, again, these numbers are so ridiculous to look at this point because they're elevated after Sandy. A couple of un- interesting stock stories out there. Cisco Systems said it's going to bri- buy privately held net traffic management software maker Keridan Technologies for $141 million in cash. They're going to be integrated into Cisco's service provider networking group unit. Just when you thought Cisco was kind of done on there. Let's grow, 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 and, and swallow other people up. Let's get lean and mean instead. Well, this is the second company that they've purchased in November. The second one. Earlier this month, Cisco said it would buy a privately held cloud networking company. Mer- I can't say this. It's M-E-R-A-K-I, Mareki. I know I pronounced it wrong, so don't send me the emails. $1.2 billion in cash as part of its cloud and networking strategy. Now... Another story that was in the news today was Groupon. It's going to be in the news all week, really, because of a board meeting. MarketWatch put out a story on Groupon. And what they were citing is last May, MIT Sloan Management Review wrote about how poorly designed coupon campaigns can hurt the profit margins of small businesses. And you can check it out if you want to go to MarketWatch and search for Groupon. You'll see the 
article, and you can actually read about that at MIT Sloan Review. The article explained that Groupon's board is meeting this week, and the performance of its chief executive, Andrew Mason, shouldn't be the only point of discussion. I don't know about you guys, but there's certain restaurants that I found on Groupon that I won't go to unless I have another Groupon. It's almost like if they're not on the Groupon, I'm not even thinking about going there. I don't know. You know, I, it's just an issue that I think we all deal with. And if you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Give me your thoughts, ideas. If you have a money question, I'm a certified financial planner. Taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, it's all fair game. Get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. So Groupon's going to be in the news. Is it helping or hurting some of the small businesses out there? I think if that's your only campaign to get business, it's going to hurt you. But if you're already out there in people's mind and you're already branding yourself in the neighborhood that you're in, and once in a while you have a Groupon, I think that's a better idea. But if that's the only way you're advertising is by Groupon, I think that you're going to stick yourself in a situation where that's the only time you're going to get business. Well, did you, uh, did you buy a Powerball ticket in Arizona or Missouri? If you did, you might be a winner. The richest Powerball jackpot ever, the second largest top prize in U.S. lottery history, has been won. Who are the two lucky winners that woke up with the correct numbers on their Powerball tickets? And they were sold in, again, Arizona and Missouri. Two people matched all six numbers. I actually bought it this time, and I bought one the last time. It was really, really, really large. And I got, I think, one number, <laughs> this, this one out of the 10 bucks that I put in. We'll talk about what we're going to do, what you do with a jackpot coming back after the break. We'll be right back. to $4.49. Dow Industrials up 39 points, a gain of 0.3%. S&P 500 index up 5 points, that's a gain of 0.4%. And that's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. But Rob and I will be together tonight, 6 o'clock, the Elks Club in Palo Alto. And we want you to join us. If you're 10 years from retirement, within 10 years of living off of your money or in retirement, and you're trying to figure out what to do, what to invest in, which asset classes, how do you allocate your portfolio, when do you rebalance and peel stock market gains. That's important because if you look at the quarters that we've had this year, significant gains in one quarter of a time followed by a quarter that was not so pretty. And replenishing your cash, peeling your gains, knowing when to sell, and replenishing your cash buffer to get you through the bad times is really important. We talk about that. If you... Uh, Tell you what, if you're listening right now and you want to get in for free, it's usually 7 bucks to get in. Email me, chat at chadburton.com. I'll give you the entry code to get you in for free. Even better, if you go to my website, chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com, either way, I'll get you to the same place. 
follow the instructions on how to give to the Red Cross and temporarily TD Ameritrade is matching donations up to a certain level. And you can actually double your money to the Red Cross. So rather than paying the normal 7 bucks, donate and I'll give you the free entry code. Check that out. Rob and I will be there from 6 to 9 answering all your wealth management retirement planning questions. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220 or email me, chat at chadburton.com. Now, it's interesting to look at some of the oil companies and how they tanked just prior to the elections. So everybody's kind of wondering, will the controversial decree by Egypt's President Mohammed Mersey, Mersey, gosh, I cannot pronounce names today, it's plunged Egypt into a bit of a crisis now. Um, we've got insured tensions in the Middle East. Will that cause a rise in oil? Will last week's ceasefire between Israel and Hamas end? It was eight days of fighting, ugly fighting, that ended with a ceasefire. Tend not to last very long. We'll see how it goes. But just note the recent drop in oil companies, if you're a little light in that area. And it's a sector that's got some pretty attractive P.E. ratios. It's price earnings and yields. That's what the company's going to pay you typically every quarter. And that's nice to have. It's nice to have those types of stocks when you're living off of your wealth because then you can sit there and know that, hey, a company's going to pay me a dividend on a quarterly basis, and so I don't have to worry as much in the short term what the price fluctuation is doing because I'm investing for the longer term. I'm trying to make good, wise investment decisions based on fundamentals and good entry points so that I can be comfortable holding a position for you know three to five years. Well, do I sell if something pops up? Yeah, I mean, if you've got SEC investigations, if you've got CEO problems, if you've got a, anywhere there's a fundamental change, a, a miss in a dividend increase, those are reasons that you still sell, but you want to make investment decisions for the longer term. Don't make investment decisions based on you think you know that there's going to be a market rally if the fiscal cliffs comes into play. Yeah, there probably will be a market rally. There was a market rally off the bottom. Of, you know, We had a 5 to 6% correction after Obama was elected. That all went away already. A quick rally just based on positive comments that everybody feels good about conversations going on in Capitol Hill right now. That's not a long-term investment decision. That's a short-term investment decision. What you should be thinking is what do I need to sell that I'm going to live off of in the next 12 months? You might want to sell it this year while capital gains taxes are a little lower than where you know where the market is right now. So check that out. Check your exposure. This is a good time of year to look at your overall asset allocation and say, gosh, what am I missing? How am I allocated? Plug all your positions into Morningstar, all your equity positions, stocks, funds, ETFs, and say, how am I allocated versus the S&P 500? Am I underweight to technology, healthcare, oil? I don't think those are wise places to be too underweight in. I think that's places where I'd rather overweight in. And when I go for oil, I want some natural gas exposure too, because just think if all of a sudden you had fleet changes where more than just garbage trucks start running off of natural gas. Maybe the entire post office goes that direction. Maybe uh, the military starts running more and more that way. That would cause that area to also increase and be attractive. So we've got a ton of natural gas in this country. Now let me go to an email that I got. And I got this email after doing a spot yesterday with Rob. It says, hi, Chad. I am 49 years old. The company I used to work for has given me the following option on a pension I thought was locked up until 65. I can either opt out now and receive $26,200 
and he says in parentheses, I'm not sure if this is all taxable. Or number two, if I stay in the plan, I'll receive $520 per month at 65 until I die. And I like this part. This is great. I have no wife or kids, so this is just beer money. First of all, if you're spending 520 bucks a month at 65 on beer money, you are probably enjoying retirement quite a bit, but your retirement's going to be really, really, really short. And when you wake up in the morning, you're going to have a really, really big headache. But I am seeing a wave of these. I'm getting several clients a month and several phone calls and emails from radio on uh, this wave of pension plan buyouts where people from either their current job or previous jobs, they get, they, they have, they built up a small pension and they're sitting there thinking, they almost forget about that they even have it because they, they might have worked there in their 40s and now they're 50, 60 years old and they just put it out of their mind because they're not going to be able to do anything with it until they're 65. Well, a lot of these plans were developed when interest rates on bonds were much higher and where people weren't living as long. So people are trying to buy you. These companies are trying to buy you out of the plan. So what do you do in these types of situations? First of all, you have to look at what your offer is later in life and say, okay, at age 65, it's going to kick off 520 bucks a month until, let's say you're 86 years old. That's the normal age of death. So you've got to do a present value. You can just use a simple Excel spreadsheet to use a present value calculation and say, if I'm 65 years old and I'm going to live till age 86 and I need, and it, I need an investment that will kick off 520 bucks a month at a 5 to 6% rate of return, you can calculate with a simple present value number that it's just shy of 75000 bucks. That's what the present value is. So then you can sit there and say, okay, they're offering me twenty six grand cash right now. What do I need to earn on that $26,000 to have $75,000 by age 65? What rate of return is that? So that's just a calculation of your rate of return. That, too, is right about 6%. Now, a 6% rate of return over a 30-year period seems pretty achievable. It does. Even over the last decade, that has been ups and downs. And, and 2007 to 2009, you still should have averaged with a balanced portfolio over the last 10 to 15 years, at least 6%. If you didn't, it's probably because you jumped in and out at the wrong times. But So if it was me, I would probably roll it out. And if this is a pension plan they're offering you a rollout, it's taxable money. You have to roll it into an IRA or you're going to get creamed in taxes. So I would likely roll it out because I'm pretty positive over the long run. I'm going to get more than that. Maybe not in the short term on the bond portfolio because bond rates are so odd right now. But in the long term, I would roll it out and I would go stocks. But you're, pro you're not me. Maybe you wouldn't invest in stocks. Maybe you wouldn't buy mutual funds and ETFs and monitor them. And 26000 is too small for a money manager to take it over for you. So if you're too kind of, yeah, I don't want to say lazy. Well, yeah, I'll say lazy. If you're too lazy to just go out and say, I'm on a total stock market index U.S., total stock market international index, and you don't have really the, the desire, the cojones really, to go out and invest in riskier assets that fluctuate, maybe you're more conservative. Then take the pension. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Garmin. It has been pretty slow for the Nimitz Freeway through Oakland, North 8. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Shaping up the 
Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. But Rob and I will be together tonight the Oaks Lodge in Palo Alto. So join us there tonight. If you've built up a portfolio, you're within 10 years from living off of your wealth or in retirement, you want to know the intricacies of tax-efficient investing, when to rebalance and peel market gains, which accounts to draw from first. That's what we're going to talk about, 6 to 9 p.m. tonight. You want to get in, I tell you what, if you're listening to the show right now, if you want to email me, chad at chadburton.com, I'll give you the free entry code to get in. It's chad at chadburton.com. And uh, that's where you sign up as well, chad at chadburton. You can sign up at chadburton.com or robblack.com. Now, tonight is going to be focused kind of towards the older, more mature investor, and that's what I often talk about with Rob on my segments with him or the Monday show at Monday at uh, 6 o'clock right here on the station, KDOW. So... Yeah, and because I deal with people that are worried about you know taxes, estate planning, retirement, income planning, and that's what I do. I started 19 years ago in the business. I started with my grandfather, who oddly enough left Washington Mutual Bank because he was sick of the takeovers and the savings and loan crisis area. So it was really weird to see Washington Mutual fail and be taken over by Chase. And uh, you know, so I, I do have a larger account minimum. I used to joke even for many years when I started the business that I couldn't meet my own minimum, but. I want to talk a couple of things that you need to know about, if no matter what your age is, before I go on and talk more about things like how to allocate a retirement portfolio and other issues that I'm going to talk about later in the show. But I want to go over some sites and publications that I think you need, no matter what your age is. And one of the first things that you need to look at is if you're listening to a program because you're trying to get educated on money, first of all, you know, it, use them as second opinions. Use shows as second opinions, but... If you don't understand a term, and use Investopedia. Investopedia.com. It's okay. It's a bit more annoying these days because it has more ads and pop-ups than it used to, but you really need to make an effort. If you don't understand something, don't just sit there and move on to the next thought that goes through your head. If you hear a term that you don't know, take a few seconds to look, up, look it up so that it doesn't sound so foreign next time you hear Rob or anybody else talk about it on there. Now, if you're a beginning investor and you're just trying to get the basics, you know, how do I allocate my 401k? What do I do in terms of budgeting? I'm newly married. How do I get, you know, my spouse to work with me in terms of the budget and the savings program? Good couple of good sites for that is learnvest.com, which is more of a, you know, by women for women, but it's really good for anybody. Most of the stories that they're going to write about have to do with women. If you follow them on you know, Facebook or any of the other sources that they, you can follow them on, they have actually a really good budgeting tool that is rivaling Mint.com, which is the other one that I was going to tell you about. Mint.com is great for budgeting because a lot of times, especially you know, older people when they are going into retirement, they, they get worried about their budget, how much I'm going to spend. Because the budget drives everything, including your asset allocation. And I often get that question, are we spending more than other people? And on Mint, you can do things like compare it to other families in your region. And it can help you set you know, alerts on when you're over budget and things like that. Why is this important? Because, unfortunately, most of the people that are listening that are you know, under 60 years old are in this kind of entitlement generation that everybody felt like they should graduate from college and make the same amount of money as their parents make, drive the same cars as their parents drive. So they're putting more money into their cars and depreciating assets than in their 401k. And when they get a raise, instead of thinking, oh, great, I can save more for retirement, 
They go, nope, I can spend more. I can buy more of a liability. That is a, a problem that I see nonstop. People get a raise, so they think, okay, that means I can get a bigger mortgage. I can buy the boat, buy the RV or whatever. Don't think like that. Now, a great financial site for the younger investor as well, if you want to do most things online in terms of reading about different topics, wisebread.com. That's wisebread, not white bread, but wisebread.com. There's about 40-plus riders that they you know cover a lot of different financial topics out there. So check that out. And in terms of the three must-reads that I would give you if you're going to you know try to keep an eye on what's going on and learn about what's going on in the economy and personal finance, Wall Street Journal, Kiplinger's, and Bloomberg. That, those are the publications that I would get. Now, if you're out there and you're starting to deal with a few more complex issues, maybe you're looking at some complicated tax issues, especially when it comes to the Bay Area when there's stock options, when there's employee purchase programs that have very difficult to understand tax issues in terms of how long you know you buy your employee stock purchase plan, you get a discount on the share price, how their tax is very different, how they're reported on is very different. You need to get to know that. And one site that I think you should use is fairmark.com. That's F-A-I-R, mark, M-A-R-K.com. Great, great tax site. Really easy search functions. You can say, how, do, how are my ESPPs at a loss taxed? And how do you report on those, for example? Because that's one thing you should be looking at. If, if you purchased stock through your employer and they've dropped during the year, you should look at those to harvest your losses in some cases. And if you're well over 10% of your portfolio in your company stock, you should be looking at taking gains. But before you do that, you really should know what you need to expect tax-wise. Uh, so fairmark.com can help you taxes on not only ESPPs, but options and other issues. And if you have a lot of stock options, if you're working for a startup and you're trying to figure out 83B elections, ISOs, non-qualified, trying to keep track of them, mystockoptions.com. It's mystockoptions.com. Great site there. Now, do you guys have a site that you really like? You want to get your calls in the air? Ask a money question. I'm Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. I'll take your money questions. Or if you want to comment on something that's going on in the business of the economy. Or do you have a website that you really like to use? Do you have a website that you really like to use? For example, anybody use emails.com? That's E-M-E-A-L-S.com. Another website that can help families kind of help budget for meals. It helps busy, busy families because it kind of creates your meal plan for you. And then... It'll even gear you towards certain grocery stores that you want to shop at, and it'll make the meal plan based on, on sales that are there. Uh, it works really well, for example, with the Safeway Just For You program, because there's a Safeway option if you live one, or there's a Walmart option as well. So a lot of times, you know, younger families need to focus on what can they do to stretch the dollar a little bit farther so they can save a little bit more for their retirement and eventually their kid's college. Or what can they do to save a little bit more money so they can go back to school and get a better degree, a better education, so they can make more money? Oftentimes, the easiest way to save more money is to concentrate on your ability to earn money, which is your biggest asset. That's your biggest asset, is your ability to earn money. I want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. So... I have some of my thoughts for the younger people, some of the publications, the websites out there. Tonight with Rob Black, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Elks Lodge, we're going to be talking all about retirement planning, portfolio allocation, and rebalancing. 
and all the different things that you need to know about as you go into retirement. What's the health care going to cost you? What taxes are you going to face? How does Social Security work if one of you dies? Those types of issues. Yes, death taxes and all that fun stuff. So don't miss tonight. If you want to sign up for that, chadburton.com, robblack.com. If you email me, chad at chadburton.com, we'll give you the free entry code so you can sign up for free. Now, another topic that I want to talk about, too, is a money market fund warning here. There's still, you know, there's still really a lack of regulation in how mutual funds and brokerage firms offer their money market funds, in my opinion. This is an ongoing battle that kind of got shoved under the rug a little bit recently. But a lot of people, boy, a lot of people that say they've cashed in or they've got a big rollover and they're sitting in money market and they're seeing their money markets just float along in a buck a share. And they almost think like it's a bank account, like it's totally guaranteed. You have to realize that most mutual fund companies and brokerage firms, because the rate of return is so small, is so small on money market funds, that they're having to subsidize their money market funds through their other investments, their other funds. So be careful of the money market funds. Make sure if you have a large, large amount that it's in the FDIC option of the money market funds that many brokerage firms offer. Or just go, you know, take it to the bank. Or within your brokerage accounts, whether it's TD Ameritrade, Schwab, whoever, you can buy FDIC-insured CDs. So realize that. And also, what's your FDIC insurance? Well, for example, if you have a, a living trust, you got two people in it, three beneficiaries, you got six times the 250000 So realize that. Right now, let's go to the phones. We've got Dan from Corte Madero on the line. Dan, how are you? Hi, Chad. Good morning. Good morning. I'm 57, uh, still working, hope to retire within the next uh, seven, eight years. You've always said to have three years of safe money. So uh, I'm looking at that very much. I have some money with the Internet Bank Ally Bank, and I'm getting about 0.9% interest. Okay. Uh, so my question to you is, if you were in my shoes, would you, where would you put your safe money? My, my, I can keep it in the Ally Bank. Ally also offers a, uh, a CD ladders from one to five years, mm-hmm. and the rate's a little bit higher than the money market funds. So I'm thinking either keeping it just in that money market fund, which only pays 0.9, or putting some of it in a ladder of CDs, one to five years, or something else. So what would you do if you were in my shoes? Well, first of all, how much, how much do you have left over after you max out your 401k and Roth IRAs to be able to accumulate the safe money? How, how much do I have left over? Yeah, yeah. I mean, are you able, how much can you, you know, use at the end of each month to accumulate your safe money? Oh, I have, I try to set, I set aside a couple hundred bucks every day. So I guess that's what, uh, I don't know, 10, I don't know what that is, uh, 1,000 bucks a week maybe, 3,000 a month or so. All right, well, I'll tell you what, we've got to, we're running out of time here at this break, but I want to ask you a couple more questions when we come back to find out what you're doing in terms of Roth IRAs, what's inside your 401K as an option to use safe money. We'll take a quick break. Get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll be right back.
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burns, Certified Financial Planner. Rob and I will be together tonight, though, at the Elks Club in uh, Palo Alto. Want to sign up for free? Tell you what, just go to chadburton.com, and uh, you can actually enter an entry code. And if you email, I, you know, it's 7 bucks to get in, but if you want the free entry code, email me, chad at chadburton.com. I'll give that to you. I think Rob sent it out on his email blast just recently as well. And one of the things that I talk about at the event is the importance of having at least three years' worth of your portfolio draws and save money. So Dan from Corte Madero held on the line with us. Dan, so your question was is that you're seven years from retirement, right? You're 57 years old? Correct. Okay. So you're, you're wondering what's the best way to accumulate your safe money. Yes. Now, and so, so far you've been using Ally Bank, which is great. I mean, you've got the online FDIC-insured bank options. Now, you mentioned that they have the, the CDs that you could ladder out one to five years. Correct. If it was me, I wouldn't touch anything beyond maybe a 12-month CD at this point. Okay. Okay, because the feds have already told us that, you know, hey, rates are going to be low to 2015, but anything can change. A significant market rally could cause interest rates to move the other direction. So if you go long-term on a CD right now, odds are in 12 to 18 months you're going to regret that decision. Um, if you check bankrate.com, there are some adjustable CDs that go up in value. Okay. Um, so realize that. But where are you sitting? You've got money in a 401K, right? Right, IRAs. IRAs and just non-IRA accounts. Okay. So the other thing that you can look for as well is that if you've got a significant you know, bond position in your portfolio, there are also things called uh, CD uh, structured notes where you can find structured notes CDs. In other words, it's a CD that gives you a certain portion of the upside of the stock market without the downside risk. All right. So you could say, okay, I'm going to take my three years' worth of expenses and just get that out of the way, stick it into something that has some potential upside of a portion of the stock market, without any downside risk. Now, you're not going to get, if the market goes up 10%, you might only get, you know, four, and you won't get the dividends, but that's better than, what, a 0.5% that you get on a six-month CD right now. So that's an option. Also, accumulating safe money slowly by either buying I-bonds or by um, adding to look inside your 401K and see if there's a stable value fund, Okay. And that might be a place that you could say, I'm going to put, you know, just start adding 5% of each paycheck of each of my contributions into the stable value fund. So you slowly build up your safe money over time. As you get closer and closer to retirement, the way that you look at it when you're about three or four years from retirement, and if you're way behind on your safe money, you, you've got to look at your portfolio on more of a quarterly basis and say, have my equity positions increase in value. And inside your 401k, it's easy to peel off the gains without any taxes and put it into that stable value or money market. Where, where it's going to be safe. So you're on the right track because you're seven years away from thinking about the safe money. But don't forget you can also do a little bit of that inside either your 401K or inside your IRAs. Now, are you doing a Roth in addition? Are you doing a Roth IRA? No, I'm not. Okay. okay. I, have, that, I have the IRAs. I, I'm 57. I put in 6000 a year, so 500 a month. Okay. And, and so and you're at this point you've you've done the – Calculations, you'd rather have the tax deduction of the regular IRA versus the tax-free growth right. of the Roth. Yeah, I, I, I can look into more. Hey, let me check. I have money. I have most all my money in Vanguard and T. Rowe Price. And my also conservative equivalent to this uh, structured note from the I-bonds would be the Vanguard short-term corporate fund and the Vanguard Jenny May fund. 
Well, Dan, so far I'm loving your questions because you're basically asking me if these short-term bonds um, or even government bond funds are safe money options. Is that kind of the question? Yeah, taking a tiny bit of risk with a lot more chance for reward. See, no. I mean, safe money is – it's got to be safe money. And unfortunately, safe money isn't paying us much these days this way. It makes it really hard to be retired right now because – you know, the Federal Reserve has pumped in all this, you know, we've got this fiat currency, we bought all these bonds, it's kept interest rates low, the Federal Reserve balance sheet's exploded to stimulate economic growth. At the same time, it's basically cut seniors' incomes from CDs over the last five years by about 60 to 70%. And so those bond funds, if there's a 1% increase in the 10-year Treasury, they could lose 5 to 10% in value. So that's not an option for safe money. Should you still own a portion of them in your portfolio? Yeah. I mean, you know, government bond funds, I, I don't own a lot of that. I own some, uh, still some tips, but those are elevated in, in value. I like really some of the foreign bonds and, and intermediate corporate bonds right now, but that's not a place for safe money. That's a piece of the portfolio. So, so your advice to me is to maybe call up when I go home tonight, maybe I'll call up Vanguard and Cuba Price and ask them if they have any structured notes or I-bonds. Well, structured notes, uh, CDs, you're going to be, you're going to have to be in the brokerage side to find those. Okay. All right. I bonds, you go to TreasuryDirect.gov to check those out. All right. Um, and uh, so you're not going to get those through those traditional outlets. Uh, okay. But what you need to do first, really, before you you go that route, is that based on how much you're putting into Ally right now, how much safe money you're going to have by the time you retire, is that going to be enough? If not. In the next couple of years, you're going to have to start peeling gains inside your accounts to create a little bit more safe money. Okay. So, and here's the calculation, Dan, to how much safe money you need. You need three years' worth of portfolio draws. So you add up all your expenses that you're going to have in retirement, including taxes, including health care. You subtract okay. out your sources of automatic income, like your Social Security and your pension, and you okay. need three times that amount in cash. And that's going to end up being typically, for most investors, about 15% of their portfolio and safe money, that's CDs, I-bonds, you know, things that are 100% safe, no risk. So let me just repeat what you just told me. Look at my monthly budget, add, add the taxes, add what my health costs would be, and they should be a little bit higher. Add that number times, times 12, times three years, and I should have that amount of money in safe cash. You've got to back out, though, because you're going to get Social Security, right? Social Security is going to fund some of that. Um, so you can back Social Security off of that number, and, and yeah, you're on the right track. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for the call. If you want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. p.m. at the Elks Lodge Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 
1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob and I will be together this evening, though, tonight. Just heard on the recent promo. The Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. And uh, it's going to be all about retirement planning, all about how to set up your portfolio, how to draw on it, which accounts to draw from first tax-wise. A lot of people make that mistake that they go through all their cash, and then next they go through their taxable accounts because it's only capital gains, and then they hold off their IRAs forever, and then all of a sudden they don't realize that they have a huge tax mess because at age 70 and a half, you're forced to pull money out. And they put off uh, and create kind of a tax time bomb, not only for themselves, but for their heirs. So the wealthier you are, the more important it is to match your retirement income strategy with your estate planning strategy. So that includes on everything, which accounts to draw from first, you convert to a Roth IRAs. How do you name your beneficiaries the right way? How do you name their beneficiaries the right way? Let's say you want to leave some money to your favorite church or charity. A lot of times it's better to separate that amount from your IRA into a separate account that only names the charity on that one account and leave the other accounts to your heirs or to specific trusts. Otherwise, that non-natural person beneficiary could screw up how you leave the IRAs to the heirs. If you do it the right way, your heirs can roll it into inherited IRAs or inherited Roths and continue the tax benefits over their lifetime. If you do it wrong, it can create a tax nightmare. So. What a lot of people don't realize is that if you're wealthy and you have an estate tax problem, a lot of times people can lose 70% of their retirement accounts to taxes when they die rather than have it go to their heirs the right way. A lot of these tax issues are voluntary, people. Having the right documents, which we'll also talk about tonight, the right estate planning documents will help you leave more money to your heirs rather than Uncle Sam or your charity for that matter. And by the way, tonight, any proceeds we get from people signing up for their 7 bucks, it's going to be donated to the Red Cross. And there's actually a way that if you want to take the extra step to sign up, if you go to chadburton.com and click on the upcoming webinars and seminars, there's instructions on how you donate to the Red Cross. And right now, temporarily, TD Ameritrade, until they hit 250000 in match, is matching your donation. So I'd rather you just donate directly through that link. Send me the confirmation. We'll get you in for free. Help the people that are... You know, Hurricane Sandy, which is affecting all of us because it will affect the numbers that we're talking about. Some of the numbers that we've talked about today already, um, you know, anything unemployment-wise, any of these numbers that are coming out is going to be skewed because of Hurricane Sandy. It's going to be skewed. So, yeah, some of the pictures just doesn't even seem real. I talked to a lot of people that are in that area, and just the stories that they tell on a daily basis is, wow, we just can't even fathom it right now. Get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. As a certified financial planner, I'll take your money questions right now. Let's go to the phones. We'll give give the producer here a second. Lines are blowing up. Two calls means the lines are blowing up. Right, producer? No, nobody's on the line yet. Okay, we've got one person on the line. we got Judy from San Bruno. How are you, Judy? Oh, fine, thank you. Um, I have a question about uh, uh, if, I, if it would be a good idea to park... Short-term money, uh, money that I really won't need for another year or two, into a variable annuity. And then when interest rates start rising, to take that money out and put them into CDs. Are there variable annuity products out there that uh, I could sell 
within a year. And I don't, I, I've heard of them. There's a few companies, I think, that you don't have to uh, pay a surrender charge. Yeah, there's, some, there's some no-load variable annuities, and if I use a no-load annuity, that's the only kind I like because uh, one of the ones that I've used is Emeritus Direct, so you can go to emeritusdirect.com. But what I use them for, Judy, is bond alternatives because they give bond-like income guarantees for life regardless of what the market does. And it's backed by the insurance company, so read the prospectus. But is it a short-term vehicle? No. It's way too much trouble to set these things up and then say, I'm going to cash out when interest rates go up. I mean, do you know when interest rates are going to go up? Because I'm not sure when. I'm not sure either. And, and, and I'm thinking, uh, well, keep them until they do go up, which might, heaven forbid, that it's five years from now. I'm thinking, and no one knows, and I don't know, of course, but I'm thinking maybe in 12 to 18 months they'll go up and then take the money out of the variable annuity. Yeah, it's, it's, just, too, it's just too much work. Are you just trying to get some tax deferral on, on earning some interest in the short period of time? Uh, no, and what I like, I just like to get some additional income, and I saw one company that had uh, equity income, I can't say – can I say the name of the company on air? Uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather you email me that one so I can give you the, the, the feedback. So, are, so let, me, let me ask you, this, this chunk of money, do you need to spend it in two years, or you're just worried about having losing money after two years? Uh, is this your safe money? Uh, yeah, this is safe money uh, that I don't want to lose, lose. Okay, yeah. I don't. If this is safe money that you don't want to lose, I mean – if you're sticking it into a variable annuity in the short term, you're either going to put it in a money market, which is probably less than some kind of some of the online FDIC-insured banks, or you're going to be putting it in the bond funds, which if you're worried about losing money because of interest rates, those moves happen very quickly where you see quick jolts in, in net asset value, and you will not be able to react quick enough, Judy. So if you're going to buy one of these things, it's because you want to invest in a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds using their sub-accounts with a backup of an income guarantee for life where the company says, okay, based on your age, we'll give you 5% for the rest of your life no matter what the market does. If the market does better, your income can go up. If it goes worse, the income will still stay the same and will not go down. So you look at it as a bond alternative. But don't ever go into these things thinking of them as just a short-term product. You just can't guess it long enough. Why do you, I mean, why do you want to put yourself through that much stress just to earn an extra 1% on your money? You know, look at Look at, you know... You want zero risk, and you have a little bit more time frame. Structured note CDs, um, high bonds, and six to twelve month CDs. You know, keep your life simple. You're overthinking it. Uh, where can you it. buy such uh, structured uh, notes? Just any bank, or you know, uh, yeah, I think you know Wells Fargo seems to be the one that pushes them a little bit more. They're usually about five years long. You've got to make sure they're FDIC insured structured notes, mm-hmm. and based on more like the S and P 500. I've seen a couple be put out by Fidelity recently, but they're more based on uh, 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 currency, mm-hmm. which the currencies, the baskets that they've had, I don't like. Um, yeah, right now, I would probably just go for a six-month CD and revisit the pricing of these things in six months mm-hmm. and just keep, your, keep, keep things safe. I see. Uh-huh. Well, thank you very much, and I, I really enjoy listening to you. Oh, I, thank I you. I appreciate so it. so much from you, um, you and Rob Black, and... Uh, I think you're both uh, excellent uh, resources and and very, very uh, well-informed. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And tonight at the Elks Lodge, that's kind of the longer version of the stuff that we talk about. I get more into the details that you can't really finish without either showing certain PowerPoint examples or 
um, g- getting into the specifics because in radio you get you know five to ten minute blocks to talk about something. You got to speak a little bit faster. You can't take as quick questions. Um, so tonight, if you want to find out really how you set up your portfolio in retirement, which accounts to draw from first, how to invest tax efficiently, when to take the gains out of the portfolio, I guarantee that is the biggest problem out there that investors face. Well, probably the biggest best problem investors face is not having enough money to invest. They spend too much or they're not making enough. But the second biggest problem when you get into retirement especially is knowing when to sell and creating lines in the sand, percentages, you know, a policy of when you take gains is very, very important, how much safe money you need to have on hand. Talk a little bit more about that after the break. We're going to take a quick break. Get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. That's all Bloomberg Market Minute. I think I found hell. I think I found something. I think I found something in my TV screen. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob and I will be at the Elks Lodge tonight, 6 to 9 p.m., together doing the long version of the show, but real specifically geared towards wealth management, retirement planning, estate planning. You're 10 years from living off your wealth or in retirement, trying to figure out how to manage your portfolio, not only in asset allocation-wise, but tax-wise, which accounts to draw from first, when to peel your gains. You want to get in, you can either get in for free if you email me right now, chat at chadburton.com. That's chat at chadburton.com. We'll give you a free entry code. So I'll tell you what, I'll just shorten this. It's NFFG12 for the free entry code. N Frank Frank G12. But there's also some instructions at chadburton.com on how you can give to the Red Cross and kind of double your money. Either way, I'm going to give any proceeds from the event to the Red Cross. So just know that you're signing up. You're also helping... Uh, you know, hurricane victims as well. I want to get your calls in there, ask a money question. I'm a certified financial planner, so taxes, insurance, retirement planning, investing. It's all fair game. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. So market continuing its positive tone based on positive comments of positive talks with the fiscal cliff. So really with Christmas break, it's less than 30 days now to get something done before the end of the year. And will there be a market pop as a result of a deal? Yeah, but keep in mind, taxes are going to be higher, which puts a bit more of a strain on the economy. So the question will be, will the removal of the uncertainty spark enough hiring at the small business level and enough capital investment at large businesses to offset people having less money in their own pocket to spend? And we have these consumer confidence numbers coming in higher Yet, we also saw numbers recently that consumer spending is down. And, you know, we had some decent numbers this morning based on companies kind of increasing their inventories, but sometimes that happens a bit before the end of the year. So, a little bit of mixed signals going on. And I'm not even talking about jobless numbers again because Hurricane Sandy is really going to skew those numbers over the next couple of months. 
Now, also, if you're too shy to call the show, if you're driving, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You can email me your money question, chad at chadburton.com. Even finally going to get on Twitter here. I haven't done anything with it yet, but you can look at the page. It's uh, Chad New Focus. First time I've even talked about it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even following anybody yet. Not even following Rob Black. Just haven't used it much. I feel like I stare at my screens enough as it is, but been talked into it, so uh, check that out. And so, money question that uh, I've got this is from Angie. And not Angie, but Angie. Chad, I'm 64 years old. I've got $2 million in investments. So first of all, congratulations, Ann. That's great because that kicks off you know, about 80000 a year if you start. Now, about half is in my brokerage account and the other half is in IRAs. Is this enough to retire? If so, how do I allocate the IRAs versus the taxable accounts? And uh, you know, give an exact example of this tonight at the event. And first of all, is it enough? I don't know. I don't know your situation because is it enough is a relative question to your expenses. So at two million bucks at age 65, you don't want to really draw more than, you know, four to four and a half percent of your portfolio because you got to leave some in there for inflation. Your your draw rate has to increase every year with inflation. It doubles about every 18 years or so. So if you're drawing 80,000 now, in 18 years, you're going to be drawing 160,000 to maintain that same standard of living. So, if half of it is in your brokerage account, the other half is in IRAs, that's kind of a perfect situation. You have after-tax money and you have money that hasn't been taxed yet. So, that means you can blend your income. So, you actually do start to look at your IRAs for some of your first source of income up to the first 15% tax bracket. So how would I invest this if I've got you know somebody that has a million in taxable accounts, a million in IRA accounts? In the taxable accounts, for that million, I put 50% in dividend-paying stocks, stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend. A portfolio is going to yield you over 2.5% to 3%, and your income can go up even when the stock market is down. Seven out of ten years is positive, but what about those three out of ten years? You don't panic and sell out because you lose out on the income. Even in 2009, these types of companies increased their dividends by about 13%. Now, that's not a guarantee that they're always going to increase their dividends, of course, but that's the way I like to do it. 50% of the taxable and dividend-paying stocks, about 35% of that of the portfolio in tax-free bonds. And at this point, I'd kind of average in if you have a bunch of cash. Stick with the California general obligation type stuff. If you're in California or the in state like Washington, it's a little bit easier. You just go national tax-free because there's no state income tax in Washington. And then about 15% of the taxable portfolio in cash. Remember, I need three years' worth of expenses of my portfolio draws in cash. For most investors, that ends up being about 15% of the, to 20% of the portfolio. And I'm going to be drawing some from my taxable account, some from my retirement account, so I want a little bit in each. So in my IRA, this is where I use more of the balanced mutual fund and ETF approach. So my IRA, I'd probably have about 65% of it in a balanced portfolio. That's usually about 60% fixed income. Very specific right now on fixed income. Not a lot of government bonds, but I do have some foreign, some mid, uh, intermediate term corporate. Be very, very vigilant. There will be a time where I'll even want to hedge against rising interest rates. So about 65% of the portfolio in balance using ETFs and funds. I like to use ETFs in the large and mid-cap area and funds for my international investing and my alternative investments like commodities and managed futures and things like that. 
I'd also put about 20% of the IRA funds in a no-load variable annuity that offers an income guarantee for life. This is what I use for a bond alternative. Until fixed income is attractive again, until the 10-year treasury is back over, say, 35 4%, that's what I'll be using. Because I can invest in a balanced portfolio, and the insurance company, as long as it's viable, is going to guarantee an income for life, no matter what the market does. Income can go up but can't go down. Read the prospectuses carefully on these things and only go for no-load options that don't give some commission-based broker uh, a commission. There's no-load versions of these things. And then, so if that's 65% balance, 20% no no-load variable annuity with an income guarantee, the other 15% would be in safe money inside your IRA. You can still buy CDs. And you're going to be drawing on a certain... That's the key. As you go into retirement, several years prior, you need a very specific income plan that says, okay, I need X number of dollars per month, and which accounts am I going to draw that from? And don't make that mistake of putting off to the last minute your IRA income. And a lot of people do that. And I talk about that a lot. I feel like a broken record, but it still happens. People forget that they're going to be forced to pull money out of their IRAs at 70 and a half. So if you pull enough out now to get up to that marginal bracket that you're currently at, you know you're always going to be taxed at the specific rate, whether it's now or 10 years from now, removing some of the money and living off of it now is you know, helps reduce your taxes in the future, especially since taxes are probably going to go up. And this fiscal cliff is probably not the end of it, guys. I don't know if you've seen what the numbers are, but... You know, we've first got to try to grow this economy, get it hustling back over 3% GDP growth, and then taxes will have to go up, even farther than whatever happens on the fiscal cliff, to get this budget deficit put down so that our grandkids and our children are not, you know, living in basically a depression. So we can look like Spain in 10 years if we're not going to be serious about this now. So taxes are going to go up in the future. Keep that in mind. If you want to get your calls in the air, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you want a free entry into the event tonight, shoot me an email as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW Traffic. That old expression has never been truer than... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black on your and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. I love messing up the intro. Want to get your calls in there if you have a money question, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you tonight at the Elks Club, where Rob and I will be doing kind of the long version of the show geared towards wealth management, retirement planning, income planning, living off your wealth. And uh, I just noticed that Rob on his I Hate Rob Black group on Facebook, so if you just type in I Hate Rob Black, you'll find that group. Just put a free entry code for it. But uh, just note that if you sign up the normal way, chadburton.com, there's instructions on how to get up to the Red Cross and double your money for the Red Cross by doing that. So rather you do it that way. Either way, I hope to see you tonight. Let me get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. So here we're going to go to what you're probably going to get sick of in the next month, which is what you're supposed to do at the end of the year. It's the main topic of... Financial publications right now is going to be the fiscal cliff and what you're supposed to do before the end of the year. So should you do any major trading around the fiscal cliff? Odds are is capital gains taxes are going to go up. So 
Prior to the second round of Bush tax cuts, they were at 20%. When I got into the business, capital gains were over 27%. And so right now we are at the lowest tax structure that I've ever seen in the last 19 years in this business. So that's that's an area that will likely go up. So you need to the thing that you need to do is look out and say, you know, what do I know I'm going to need to live off of and take those gains probably right now, because next year you've got higher uh, taxes at the at capital gain level probably for everybody, but especially over 250,000 or over 200,000 single of adjusted gross income, there'll be an additional 3.8 percent surcharge or surtax on that potentially. Um, as a result of the fiscal cliff issues. And should you sell all your dividend-paying stocks because of you know, in, uh, dividend taxes going from 15% to marginal income brackets? No. I, I really think that politicians should understand that that will really hurt retirement, retired people. I mean, the stupid term, the golden years are tarnished, that's definitely the case because typically retired people can have a good amount of money in CDs and things like that. Well, their income, if you look at a chart of CD returns over the last five years, has been cut by 60 to 70% from their CDs. And so if people are living off of their dividends in retirement and they're going to go from 15% tax to higher, that's going to be painful for retired people. Not the majority, though, because the majority still, even if they're living off of 100000 a year or more, they can still be at a 15% bracket. So will things change? Yeah, but I don't think you should trade around that prior to it. Should you make adjustments based on what you need to live off of? Absolutely, do that right now. But don't trade based on what may or may not happen. Now, what you should do before the end of the year, though, is evaluate a Roth IRA. Do you know, maybe you're on sabbatical or you spent a good portion of this year unemployed, so you know your tax bracket this year is going to be much lower than next year. And you know, you talk to your CPA, your enrolled agent, and you say, I got $30,000 left at this marginal bracket. Because tax brackets, it's not every dollar's tax the same. You have certain steps. The first X number of dollars up to about, you know, almost 80000 married couple filing jointly is taxed at 15%. Then it goes up from there. So at your marginal bracket, maybe that's 25%. You got $10,000 left. Maybe you should convert from an IRA to a Roth for just a small portion. Pay the taxes now at a much lower rate than what's going to be there in the future. Talk to your advisor about that. Also, think about reorganizing your assets. Think about taking a look at everything that you have. Plug it into Morningstar. Look at where your sectors are, where you're overweight and underweight. And maybe that's even overweight in certain types of bonds that have rallied significantly, like government bonds. Maybe it's time to take the gains in those areas. Maybe you started your portfolio with 30% in tax-free bonds. Now it's 35%. 35%. Maybe it's time to peel the gains there as well. Try to make some of those changes this year before you move into next year. So inspect your overall asset allocation. And it's funny because people think you know, people are so short-term in their memory. And I've talked to a lot of people that think that the stock market is even down this year, which is not. And Franklin Templeton, I mean, people are so pessimistic right now in the long run Yet they get emphatic about the market in short-term moves. Like they feel like they've missed out just because the market's up in a week or two. And every time Franklin Templeton surveyed investors in 2010, 11, and 12, at least 48% of the people thought the stock market had been down for the prior year. But in reality, the market was up 26.5% in 2009, 15% in 2010, and it was up 2.1% in 2011. And it's up this year as well. 
So even after post-election, yeah, right after the election, the market tanked, 5%. I hate that word tanked. It wasn't really tanked. Look, typically you have three, five to seven percent corrections every single year. We didn't even really have one full-on one this year, besides what was it? Maybe in June. I don't even remember at this point. So, are we due for one? Yeah, but now we've got all these, you know, media around the fiscal cliff. So don't get too worried about short-term moves. Don't feel as soon as you feel like, oh, I'm missing out on the upside. I'm missing out on the upside. Or I'm getting hit with the downside. I'm getting hit. You take your emotions out of it. Look at your asset allocation. Create lines in the sand. You need a line in the sand for every asset class. How much do you have? Large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, emerging markets. And should you let things overweight? Yeah, maybe a little bit. And when you do, it's when usually people hate it. When everybody's talking about how bad something is, that's when you should probably like it. And don't forget about alternative investments. That's something I'll talk about tonight as well. So once you build up a portfolio, I mean, literally your first 100 to 150,000, I want to encourage people to just look at index funds. Have a total stock market index fund U.S. for at least you know 70 to 80 percent, and have a total stock market international for the other 20 to 30 percent, and start building up wealth systematically, saving through your 401k or IRA. Once you get over that, I like to tend to use index funds and ETFs in the large and mid cap and then look for managed funds in the international side and also typically the managed future side or or the alternative class. So what are some of the asset classes, some of the alternative investments that I like? There's some hedged equities uh, funds that I like where they basically can mirror the S&P 500. They sell some covered calls for extra income, and sometimes they'll use that income to buy puts to protect the downside. These types of funds are never going to get the gains, the 100% of the gains of the upside, but they also fall less. So they're a piece. They're not the end all, but they're a piece between stocks and bonds, kind of in the middle, in the alternative area. We'll talk about commodities, managed futures, and oil and gas plays here in a bit. But first, let's go to the phones. And by the way, if you want to get your calls in the air, ask a money question, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. 1220. And let's go to James in Piedmont. Uh, hey, Chad. I wanted to ask you about two uh, exchange-traded funds that are dividend-heavy. Uh, one is uh, David Victor Yellow, DVY. The other is Sam David Yellow, SDY. Yep. Uh, do you use these? Do you like them? Do you think the expenses are too high? And uh, uh, would you uh, use these for dividend income and rising dividend income going forward versus picking individual dividend-paying stocks? Uh, well, I actually do both. So I actually do. So we we run new, at New Focus Financial. We have a stock model that has you know companies that increase their dividends, um, and then we also have balanced portfolios to offset it. So there's there's some diversification outside of our management. And the, I do use SDY. I've also used Vanguard's dividend increasing option. Now, if you look at them, you look at Vanguard's option, and it looks like it's a little bit cheaper on the internal fees, or a lot cheaper. But one of the things you have to do is you have to go to the company's websites directly and look at the SEC yield, okay? Because a lot of times when you look at the yield on Yahoo Finance or Morningstar, it might not be totally correct. Um, and so, you know, kind of when we look at uh, DVY versus SDY versus VIG, one of the reasons I use SDY in my balance portfolios is because it's enough difference between my stock portfolio. But if I'm looking a little bit more growth-oriented, um, and a little less income, I might use VIG's Vanguard option. I don't really like the DVY side just because of the allocation. Um, and I also pay attention to how much is 
you know, in financials. I've, I, I've liked to have a really low exposure to financials. But these, I think these are great large-cap pieces. I think that idea of the dividend growth, companies that have a history of increasing their dividends show basically that they're healthy, that they, they – you know, they, they like to pay their investors and they like to grow and they like to increase the payment to investors. And I think it's really important the closer you get to retirement because you, you, you can use them as income and realize that income sometimes can go up. Some of these companies will still increase their dividends even in times of tough markets. So, so, so you like the STY over the DVY and uh, the VIG from Vanguard, their exchange traded fund. When you talk about better growth, are you talking about growth of capital or are you talking about growth of uh, dividend income going forward? I think if you look at it in terms of what, if you analyze the companies that are inside VIG versus SDY, you're going to see a little bit more growthier companies, companies that are going to give a little bit potential more in a 10-year period, say capital appreciation, but a little less income. Um, They're very, very close. SDY is going to give you a little bit higher yield, um, but I, I kind of like them both. I would accumulate them both. If you're less worried about income, VIG is going to be a little bit lower in fees, and which means if it's a taxable account, also a little bit lower in tax issues because of slightly lower yield. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks also for making the comment about retirees and how they're already getting screwed on uh, CDs and money market accounts, and this is going to be a triple whammy when the dividend tax gets up for people that are up there and. Uh, uh, dividend income on an annual basis. Oh, we don't. Nobody, I mean, you, no, no, nobody talks about it, but uh, really, retirees are, are getting screwed royally. Well, yeah. I mean, do you want me to get on my soapbox for a minute on this in terms of how badly it's affected retirees? I, I mean, first of all, the Federal Reserve to try to stimulate the economy is we've basically printed money, given it to the Federal Reserve to buy government bonds to keep the prices up and the yields down to stimulate growth in the economy. But for people that are retired, that's cut down their income. It's and that's been a weak dollar policy, which has helped increase the cost in commodities like oil and also health care. It's been tough. You want to get your calls in the area, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area up. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. But Rob and I will be together tonight at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto, talking all about wealth management, retirement planning. Sign up. Space is limited. Sign ups are coming really quick today, so you might want to sign up as soon as possible. You can go to chadburton.com to sign up or robblack.com to sign up. And uh, chadburton.com, you can also see some extra directions if you want to give 7 bucks to Red Cross instead of pay the $7 in, uh, fee, or 10 bucks to Red Cross, pay the fee. Whatever you put to Red Cross can actually be doubled right now. So read about that at chadburton.com. Or want to save the money, you want to just email me, chad at chadburton.com, for the free entry code. I'll give that to you as well. 
just get there tonight. If you're 10 years from retirement trying to figure out which portfolio, which accounts to draw from first, when to rebalance your portfolios, when to take gains, how much safe money you need, how do you figure out how much you need to actually retire, what are your health care costs, things like that. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, I had a call before the break talking about dividend investing. And what I don't want people to do is make the mistake of just investing because of dividend yields. Because a company pays a big fat dividend doesn't necessarily mean they're healthy. You have to look at other issues like free cash flow, dividend coverage ratio, uh, those the other other issues that, that say whether or not the health company is healthy and then are they still able to grow in the future. And here's a little warning for you. Starting next quarter, you're going to be looking at yields. If you're looking something using like Yahoo Finance to look up stock quotes and look at what a stock is yielding, be very, very, very careful because I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of companies have announced a special dividend to try to return some cash to shareholders before taxes go up. So I think, for example, if you look at Costco, they're going to show like a 5% yield next quarter after they get done with their special dividend. Dillard's, other issues like this, same thing. And so that'll also make it really hard to look at ETFs and mutual funds and actually figure out what the yield is. So you might not get correct numbers until you're able to look at the actual sites. Like if you're looking at a mutual fund or an ETF, go to the site directly and find out what their SEC 30-day yield is and then check if they got a special dividend that got paid out in December. That could kind of affect that. And so if you're going to be in a dividend investor, I think it's a great way to build wealth for the large cap area. I really like having dividend-growing companies in my large-cap area, and then I also get a little bit more specific with ETFs and, you know, like technology, healthcare. If I'm being defensive, it would be consumer staples. ETFs or exchange-traded funds are a great way to invest in large and mid-cap areas. But for small-cap in my international, especially emerging markets, I like managed funds because they require a little bit more management. You might not want the company that you bought in December in your small cap or emerging market fund by September. You might require a little bit more active trading, especially on the international side when you're dealing with political issues, currency issues, and uh, you know instability in certain regions, for example. So I like that a little bit smarter approach. And so I, yeah, ETFs and index funds have much lower fees, but when you're looking at returns, they're quoted net of fees. So sometimes a fund that has a higher fee might be giving you a better return. And so it's something you have to keep an eye on. You do look at fees, but again, it's, it's you know, what is your risk-adjusted rate of return in the long run that's even more important? How does that fund react on the upside and the downside? You want it to be, you know, more stable. A fund that keeps up with the market in the good years and outperforms in the bad years, that's a great fund. Now, how can you do that as an investor? One of the things that you might need inside your portfolio to help cushion results in sideways, volatile, or down markets is certain types of alternative asset classes. And that, that doesn't mean that they go up when the market goes down. If you look at hedge funds as a whole, they were down 19% in 2008. That's a lot better than what the market was, down like 38%. doesn't mean it, it, it's no losses. It means it helps cushion volatility and the downside. Overall asset allocation, because you own different types of asset classes, when the market, the S&P 500, is rip-roaring, it probably means you might underperform a little bit in the short term. But because the market's negative 30% of the time, positive 70% of the time, 
it means it levels out your returns and you win in the long run. It's a long-run game, trying to reduce volatility and get consistency. So what are my three favorite alternative asset classes? And I'll talk about this tonight, too, at the event. Uh, Top three, and not necessarily in any order, hedged equity. This is where you have still stocks or individual stocks in a portfolio, but the manager might use certain types of options to create some extra income, which means you sell calls, sell covered calls. They take that income, and they buy protective puts in certain situations. Options are not a way to build wealth, in my opinion. They're a way to help protect it. And so these types of funds usually have 60 to 70% of the upside of the market and only about 40 to 60% of the downside. So they're kind of right in between you know, stocks and bonds. So they're a place when you have extra cash, you're not really ready to add to equities, you're not really wanting to add to bonds, it's a, it's a decent place. Every portfolio should have a position in some commodities and managed futures, and you want to try to buy these typically in your retirement accounts. Commodities are, I mean, if you looked at cattle prices in the last couple of years, they've doubled. Wheat prices are going up because of the drought. You've got copper and gold and oil inside these funds. Managed futures are a way that you get into commodities, but it doesn't have to necessarily be going up to get a return. It just has to be trending in certain directions, and currency is involved in that as well. And then also oil and gas plays in the world of master limited partnerships. Now, these are companies that pay a nice dividend because they get paid a toll to have oil and gas being shipped or going through their pipelines, which is very important if North America ever has the ability to get out of OPEC. Got to be able to use oil and natural gas, shipping it from Canada. So I'll talk a little bit more about these because those things, the, the taxation and the fee structure is very, very confusing. So we'll talk about that at another show. Hope to see you tonight. Sign up for the event tonight, Retirement Planning Wealth Management, chadburton.com or robblack.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.